Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this place. May that, Father God, be more than just words that we sing or words on a screen. But, oh God, may that be the heart cry of your people. You are welcome here, Lord God. And we know that you were here before we got here, Father. We know that you will be here when we're long gone. But we want you to know that our hearts cry today is that you would be with us, that you would meet with us, that you would come into our lives, Father God. Speak to us through the sacred text. Take over our minds the way we think, Father God. Take over our hearts the way we feel. Take over our lives, Lord God, the way we live. Lord Jesus, take my lips and speak through them today. Because, oh God, if you don't speak, then absolutely nothing of any significance will have been spoken today. We love you. We honor you. We praise you. We ask you to speak for your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, we pray. And all of God's people said together, come on, church. Amen. Come on and praise the Lord before you see that. Hey, if you're comfortable, high five somebody, fist bump them from a distance, whatever. Tell them it's good to be in the house of the Lord together today. A lot of hugs starting to return to the house of the Lord. Amen, Amen my hugger said. We're a hugging church. Don't, don't worry, we, we, we work on reading your body language. Because if you don't want one, we ain't going to give you one. But we can pretty good, we're pretty good at telling when, when you do want one. Um, hey, my name is Benji. I'm one of the pastors here. So glad that you're here today. Welcome to New Hope Church. Um, hey, a couple things real quickly. Um, what, what, today's uh, beginning of Thanksgiving week, right? And uh, first of all, I want you to know I'm thankful for each and every one of you. Uh, really, I really mean that. I'm so thankful for this church family. I, I sometimes ponder what I would do, where I would be without a church family like you, and I can't even begin to imagine it. Uh, but secondly, what do y'all do on Thanksgiving? What are some things that we typically do on Thanksgiving? Eat. eat. And my, my eater. These are my eaters and my huggers right up here. My people. We eat with who, typically? Family. Y'all just, y'all answered those quite perfect. Come to church next Sunday. You know why? We're going to eat with family. Oh, um, no, seriously, Holy Communion next Sunday. We haven't done Holy Communion much over the last couple years, rightly so, right? But uh, we, we're, we're going to have Holy Communion. It's going to be sterilized and prepared and all of that, individual containers, all that kind of stuff. You don't have to worry about that. I feel weird even having to say that, but this is the day and age in which we live. Uh, but don't worry. But let's get, gather together next Sunday as a family and let's have Holy Communion together. Don't take Thanksgiving weekend off because you got some tryptophan hangover from all the turkey you ate and you can't crawl out of bed. No, 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 no. Get on out. Come to church next Sunday and uh, let's have Holy Communion together. Amen. The very next Sunday, uh, I'm kicking off a brand new sermon series called Christmas Out of the Box. Christmas Out of the Box. And uh, we're really, really excited about that. And on that Sunday, what else happens? You remember? Time change, not like daylight savings time, but our time changes, right? And so this worship celebration will go from 1030 to 1045. And um, 
For those of you who have a hard time getting to church, just don't even worry about it. Just, just act like it's 1030 and it'll be beautiful. You'll be right here on time. It, it'll all work out great. Um, so, so glad you are here today. Hey, if you're, um, if you're new around here and you missed any of the last uh, couple weeks, we're in a series called Galatians. And uh, you can go and open your Bibles to Galatians 4 if you would like. And uh, we're talking about rediscovering the gospel good news. And we've been talking about how Paul came into the church at Galatia and he is like slinging it and bringing it. He is confronting them. He is talking about the power of the gospel. He is setting the record straight. Some of you amongst us, particularly some Judaizers, which were Jewish Christians, they were coming in, they were adding to the gospel. And Paul is hacked off about it, and he is teaching on it. And I told you last week that I was going to slice and dice today and do my best to talk about the difference between being nice and being kind. And in the South, we know about being nice, don't we? People be nice to your face, wave at you, hey, how you doing? Praise the Lord. And then you turn around and stick a knife in your back, watch you bleed out. There's that, we know about that, right? We've all been, we've all been stabbed in the back. I said I was going to hit that this week, and I just want to let you know I've decided in light of preparation this week, I'm actually doing that next Sunday. I'm going to talk about the difference between being nice and kind, and kind is where it's at for the people of God, and Paul is being incredibly kind. He might not seem very nice in the moment, but he's being very kind, representing the kindness of God. I will hit that next week head on, I promise. So we've been working with this definition on the gospel. It's kind of a working definition. It's the best I can do. You might be able to do a little better, but let's start it out today with reading the gospel definition that we've been uh, going over each week. Here we go. Out loud together. The gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth, died for my sins, what? Rose from the dead so that by grace... Anyone who puts faith in him will be made right with God and enjoy everlasting life on earth and in heaven forever. You guys sound great today. And so Paul is making sure we get the gospel right. It's very important that we get the gospel right um, because there's, there's, there's the real gospel and then there's kind of like fake gospel, if you will. Um, I remember, I, I don't know exactly how long, I didn't take the time to look it up, but it was probably about eight or nine years ago, um, I was down in Atlanta going to the Final Four basketball uh, tournament. And uh, how many of you have been to the Final Four? Oh, thank you. I knew there had to be somebody. Oh, some people up here too. Yeah, I was going to the final four, and um, it was when Duke was in the final four. And so, you know, that's kind of normal part for the course, right? Um, just kidding. Um, by the way, side note, um, how many of you have been to the Super Bowl? That's a little harder. Okay, how many of you have been to the World Series? Okay, my, my sister. I haven't been to either of those. I'm just saying, if you can hook a brother up, let me know. <laughs> I was in Atlanta, it was the final four, and uh, man, it, Atlanta was a party. There were bands everywhere and all kind of festival activities, and then it was time to, to make your way into the game, so you got to walk long distance, and I'm in this long line, and I'm making my way up to the stadium where the final four was that year, and after a long wait, we get to the door, and there's these dudes in front of us, like four dudes, and they pulled out their tickets, and this was back in the day when you had physical, hard copy tickets, right? They pulled out their tickets, and, and the dude scanned them, and he goes, 
uh, I'm sorry, you have a counterfeit ticket. And uh, I was I like, oh, this is going to be good right here. <laughs> and, and, and those four guys started arguing. No, no, we bought these legit. We drove states away to get to this game. You got to let me in. And the guy kept telling, no, I'm sorry, you can't get in. You, you bought counterfeit tickets. And this went on and on. And finally, they were frustrated. I felt horrible. I felt so bad. I almost thought about giving them my ticket. <laughs> Operative word, almost, right? <laughs> Paul is coming in, and he is addressing a counterfeit gospel. And he's making sure we as a church lock in to the fact that there is the difference between a fake gospel and a real gospel, a counterfeit gospel and the authentic gospel. And in Galatians chapter 4, we're going to go get it today. Starting in verse 1. If you love the word of the Lord, let me hear you saying amen. amen. What am I saying? What I am saying is that as long as an heir is underage, he is no different from a slave. Get the picture? Although he owns the whole estate. Guy has a, a farm place, if you will, home place, if you will. Slaves, and he has an heir there, right? And, and the heir, the Bible is saying, just because he's underage, there's no difference between him and the slave because the time has not come. Look at verse 2. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. So Paul is talking about the fact that, hey, before you became a Christian or when you first became a Christian, you too were a slave. He's, he's working this from an allegorical perspective. You too were a slave because you were engaged in these elemental spiritual forces. Verse 4. But when, I love this phrase, circle this in your Bibles, underline it, whatever. But when the set time had fully come, when the what? When the set time had fully come, God sent his son, let the church say amen, born of a woman, born under the law, watch this, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, and if you don't mind, I parenthetically put and daughters. It's inclusive when you study the original language. Because you are his sons and daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out what, church? Abba, Father. So you are no longer slaves, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Did you hear me? Because you are no longer a what? Slave, but God's child. God has made you an heir. Verse 8. Formerly when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, I love how Paul kind of corrects himself here. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, Y'all remember the last few weeks I've been talking about how I changed my testimony when I was convicted by the Holy Spirit of saying, I found the Lord. I didn't find the Lord. October 23rd, 1988, I didn't find the Lord. The Lord found me. So Paul, Paul says, hey, you think you know God. Rather, you're known by God. How is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? Verse 10. You are observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you 
that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. May Almighty God add his blessing to the reading, the hearing, and the applying of his holy word. Amen? Now, I can just tell you from firsthand experience, this is a message that is probably going to relate to you because as I'm preaching it to you today, I'm telling you, I have been living it and preaching it to myself as well because there is a lot to learn here. Grab your pen or your Bible or whatever the case may be. Open up our New Hope app. There's a place for you to take naps. Uh, naps. <laughs> <laughs> Glory to God. Let's take a little siesta here in the morning. That's funny right there. App, not nap. Here it is. The fake gospel, the counterfeit gospel, is all about activity. The real gospel is all about adoption. Praise God. The fake gospel is all about activity. The real gospel is all about adoption. Again, I can tell you from firsthand experience that I have mixed this up before. When I first became a Christian back home, I, was, I stepped into a church. I was immediately discipled. But in, in, in our church back then, great church, please don't get me wrong, but if you didn't pay close attention, you would start to believe that the gospel was all about what you did. It was all about how active you were. Like, did you, did you wear the right clothes? Did you talk the right language. I've often called it Christianese. Did you, did you play the part? Did you go to church every Sunday and Wednesday and Sunday evening? It was all about activity and nothing wrong with the activity, but what Paul is making sure we understand from the very beginning is that the fake gospel is all about activity. The real gospel is all about adoption. Again, nothing wrong with those things. But it's all about adoption. Look at your neighbor and say, you are adopted. If you are a child, you did great with that. If you are a child of God, you are an adopted child of God. You are an heir to the things of this world. I don't know if any of you have adopted before. I believe adoption is one of the most beautiful things uh, that, that goes down. In fact, we have a beautiful family in this church. He's on staff. Bobby Craig is our sound producer right here. He, he works the soundboard. Yeah, give him some love because he, he does a great job. Taylor is his wife, and she sings on this stage, and she can flat bring it. Well, these two, in my mind, they're heroes of adoption. Um, they've adopted not one child. They, 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 they've adopted five children. Yeah, that's worth another hand clap. But let me ask you something on behalf of those sweet, precious Taylor children. Did, did those children have to do anything for Bobby and Taylor to adopt them? No. All they had to do was what? Receive their gracious, and Bobby would tell you, listen, we're the blessed ones, not the kids, and I love his heart in that. But the truth is the kids are blessed as well to have Bobby and Taylor as their parents. They didn't have to do any activity. All they had to do was receive this adoption. The gospel is not about activity. And some of you I know because I know your stories, and if you grew up in church in the South, particularly a generation or two ago, you cut your teeth on this. And that is the gospel gets really confused really quickly with how much activity I do. And that's why some of you have experienced a form of Christianity, a pseudo form of Christianity that finds you rather exhausted because you never can quite do enough. 
And you're so caught up in this rat race of activity that you miss the beauty of the gospel, the purity of the gospel, and that is it is not based at all on anything you do. It is based all on what Jesus Christ has done through his life, his death, and his resurrection. And let, and let, let, let me just speak to the parents real quick because how, how many of you are parents? How many of you are parents? See, in the South particularly, and I know I keep talking about the South a little bit, I guess that's just my closest reference on some of this stuff, but if you are a parent, if you are not careful, you will do what you should do because you're good-hearted, good-intended parents. You will raise your children the best you can in the way of the Lord. Amen? And you will hold on to verses like Proverbs 22, 6. Raise a child in the way of the Lord, and when he or she is old, they will not depart from it. Great, great verse of Scripture. But you know as well as I do that there are no guarantees in parenting. <laughs> she said, Absolutely. You can, you can be, and I've seen this happen, and so if you, you can be a phenomenal parent, and your child can grow up and go off in the proverbial far country, right? And your child can start doing things that you don't like, that you don't approve of. And you're like, I didn't raise my child to live this way. I didn't raise my child to make the decisions that they're making. But that is the reality of life. But here's the big mistake that I see parents make. So parents, please listen in. So often, parents, good intended Christian parents who raise their children in the way of the Lord, when their children go off and start doing things that they should not do, they disown their children. They disown their, I've seen it happen over and over again. And they take their most prized possession, their children, and throw them in the furnace, if you will, and totally cut them off from the family. And I've been invited to their homes before, and I, I'll show up, and, and I know their kids off in the far country, and, and, and if I'm not, I'll often hear them come, and they start to actually justify the way in which their child is no longer welcome at their house, and they don't communicate with their child anymore. And I want to just say, no, 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 don't do that. Please don't do that. Stop. You don't have to condone what your child is doing to keep your child close to you. Always, always, always make sure your children, I don't care what they do. I don't care whether they've gotten their life messed up. I don't care if they're homeless living under a bridge. I don't care if they're in prison. I don't care if they're confused sexually. I don't care. As a parent, we should always make sure our children know, I love you. I love you. You will always be my child. Nothing you will ever do will make me love you any less than I love you right now. And nothing you will ever do, good deeds, activity, will make me love you more than I do right now. I love you. You're my child. And don't mishear me because I, I know as I've talked to some of you and I've watched some of you who grew up maybe from more legalistic, hardcore, maybe rigid, fundamentalist upbringings, you're listening to my messages carefully and you're starting to go, well, I don't know about this though. Doesn't it matter how we live? Yes, it matters how we live. Let me be clear. Don't mishear. Oh, that rhymes. <laughs> Let me be clear. Don't mishear. We should watch how we live our lives. How we live our lives matter as believers. Let me be clear. We should protect sex 
as a gift from Almighty God and how we experience it should give glory and honor to God. Let me be clear. We should come to church. The church matters. We're family up in this place. Amen? Let me be clear, because when I was a kid, man, you, if you got a tattoo or you wore an earring as a dude, you were cast away. If you get a tattoo, you should be careful about what you get on your body. I got one. You should be careful about what you do, but let me be clear. Morality matters. There are boundaries. There are guidelines. But, but, and that's a big old but, the moment any of those things... <laughs> 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 That's a big old butt. The moment, listen, come on back, come on back, come on back, come on back. The moment any of those things become prerequisites for entering the family of God, the kingdom of God, the moment we start to shun people based upon anything they have done, anywhere they end up in life, is the moment we start to pervert the gospel and we turn it upside down and it is an assault upon the holiness of God. I don't know if you know this, but, but Paul is often looking back to the Old Testament and this is what he's dealing with. He's dealing with Jewish Christians who are trying to add to the gospel and take away from the gospel, we tend to think that there were 10 commandments, 10 laws. Did you know that there were actually about 600 laws? 600 hoops that they had to jump through. It was all very legalistic, and Paul is saying, no, no, no. We are not saved upon anything we've done, how we end up in our life, where we are. We are saved by what he has done. It is about adoption and not activity. Here's the second thing. The fake gospel, oh my, ends at salvation. The real gospel begins with salvation and continues with Holy Spirit transformation. The fake gospel ends at what? Salvation. You, you, you've seen this. And, I, you know, I hope we've never, never gotten even anywhere close to this because we, we believe that it matters that people are saved by the gospel. Can I get a witness? Like, it matters, does it not? I told you before, there's a heaven and a hell and real people go there. And I know you don't like that and I don't like that, but it doesn't matter what I like. It's what the Bible says. Salvation is important. So we're going to do everything we can do to continue to offer people the gospel so that people can get saved. Right? It matters. Reach teach and release. We're going to continue to try to reach people. But the fake gospel ends at salvation. Let's just see how many hands we can get to pop up in the air. Let's just check off a box. Ooh, look how many people we got saved in this church. No, 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 no. The holy gospel, the real gospel begins with salvation and continues with Holy Spirit transformation. Stick with me for a moment. The fake gospel ends when you pray the prayer. Check the box. Raise a hand. No, 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 no. The, you see those who land there, they actually see the salvation as a landing pad. No, 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 no. Salvation is not the landing pad. Salvation is the launching pad. It's the launching pad when the Holy Spirit starts to come in and move in our lives and starts to transform us into the image of Jesus. It's the age-old question, is it not? What's more important, evangelism or discipleship? And I know some of you wrestle with that. You know, what's more important? Salvation, seeing people saved and receiving the gospel? Or discipleship, seeing people become more and more like Jesus? What's more important? Both. 
Both. The fake gospel ends the moment a person gets saved. The real gospel begins at salvation and continues with Holy Spirit transformation. Look at what Galatians 4, 6 says. Come on, out loud together. All of us, ready? Go. Because you are his sons and daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out what? Abba, Father. I've hit this a few times, but just say it again. When you're saved, God deposits into your heart, into your mind, into your life, the Holy Spirit of God. We just read it. And the Holy Spirit of God causes us to cry, Abba, Father. It's deposited, or a big churchy word that scholars have often used. It's imputed into you, the Holy Spirit. To which some of you would sit here and you'd go, Wait, I don't, you say that, but I don't feel it. Just because you don't feel it doesn't mean the Holy Spirit is not there. You activate it. You work with God. You let, and some of you, you kind of stiff-arm the Spirit. Come on, let's be honest. You stiff-arm the Holy Spirit. You've seen bad examples. <laughs> you, you've, been, you've been in places where you're like, I don't want anything to do with that, right? I know, I understand. But what I, what I want you to just keep pressing into is this idea that through this series, we're going to open up our lives to the work of the Holy Spirit. I've likened it to a dance, right? That we're going to dance with the Holy Spirit. We're going we're to learn to listen to God's voice. Jesus says in John's gospel, my sheep know my voice. They hear my voice and they follow me. We're going we're to get better at listening to the Holy Spirit. We're going to ask God to unleash the Holy Spirit. He's already there. Just like he was there when you walked in this house today. Oh, I didn't say this earlier. This is not even in my notes. When we all walked into this church today, the Holy Spirit was here. Now watch this. Some of you sensed it. Some of you felt it. Others of you did not. It doesn't change the fact that the Holy Spirit was up in here. And when you get in your car, guess what? The Holy Spirit is up in your car. And when you get on your motorcycle, the Holy Spirit's really up on that. I'm just saying. <laughs> I want to throw a graphic up on the stage for you um, that will help you kind of maybe start to understand this a little bit. Uh, you got the gospel, and if you look to your right, you, you've got spiritual disciplines. And you know what spiritual disciplines are, holy habits, things that you do to grow in Christ. Bible study, prayer, worship. <laughs> this is a good time to say this with Thanksgiving coming on Thursday. Fasting. <laughs> <laughs> Some of us will be fasting after Thanksgiving, won't we? And then after Christmas. Worship, fasting, prayer. The, the, these, these spiritual disciplines. Then you got church family. You're going to be hearing a lot about this in the new year, but let me just go and go there a little bit for a moment. Like, we're family. Like, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And if you're anything like me and you come from a real jacked up family, that's really good news because we're family. And even if you came from the, the best family, a little house on the prairie kind of family, <laughs> even if that was your experience, it probably wasn't that good. Everybody's, everybody's got a crazy uncle, right? Everybody, everybody got somebody. And, 
the, the, the family of God is a beautiful thing. Can I get an amen from the family of God? Not perfect, because we got some crazy uncles up in here too. On my bad days, I'm probably one of them, right? But you got the Holy Spirit that once a person receives the gospel, remember, the Holy Spirit's deposited into your life. Then you got the Holy Spirit moving, and you take the gospel with my spiritual disciplines, with my presence in the church family, which gives me a chance to say to those of you online, we're so glad you're online, but nothing shall ever replace being with the family flesh and blood. Come on back. We'd love to have you. Yeah. Thank you. You, you take the gospel and spiritual disciplines and the church family and the Holy Spirit moving all in that. And that's when we start to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. It's when we start to live out what I'm going to get to next week as we wrap this up. The fruit of the Spirit. Remember that? The fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5. What, what is it? Maybe some of you memorized it in, 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 in church when you were a little kid. Love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. All those things start to work together, and then you start to become more and more like Jesus. I put it like this in my note. note salvation begins the process of Holy Spirit transformation. Say that with me. Salvation begins the process of Holy Spirit transformation. Lastly, oh, the fake gospel constantly strives for acceptance. The real gospel confidently rests in inheritance. The fake gospel constantly strives for what? When I get done in just a moment, some of you are going to be like, the dude's reading my email. The real gospel confidently rests in inheritance. Again, so many of you were raised in churches where we kind of got this off track. And please don't mishear me. I'm not, I'm not casting any churches. I'm not indicting any churches. It was all done with good intentions, just like some of our parenting. We don't get it right. Be gracious with yourself. We make mistakes. But some of you grew up around a, a counterfeit, fake gospel where it was all about how good you were. Being a Christian was all about you striving for acceptance. And what you need to know today is God said yes to you way before you did anything to be accepted. Hallelujah is right. It's not about checking boxes. It's not about just trying to be good enough, just trying to measure up. Some of you were raised by great parents and great grandparents, but they communicated whether they meant to or not that you had to you had to rise to a certain standard and their love and their acceptance of you was dependent upon how good of a girl you were or how good of a boy you were. Galatians 4, one more time, verse 7. Go. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also 
an heir. I, um, this has been a hard one for me. I'm, I haven't been real good at this because I quite often find myself striving for acceptance and not resting as an heir with a glorious inheritance provided and promised to me by Almighty God. And I mean, I guess I give a little praise because it's been a journey of my whole adult Christian life. And thankfully, I'm not where I used to be, but I'm just going to be honest with you today. I, I still can really struggle in this area. I still can often strive and wonder if I'm ever good enough. Good, good enough for you as the church that I so love and have given my life to. Am I good enough dad for my children who I absolutely adore? Am I just a good enough man? And I, I don't know why I, I've struggled with it. I, I've, I've started to connect some dots later in life and um, from counseling and what I mean, me, I'm not the counselor, I'm in counseling, right? just so we're clear. But even though I didn't grow up in the church, I was still raised in such a way that, that I, I only felt loved. I only felt affirmed. I really only felt encouraged when I did something good. Again, parents, be very careful. We can make this mistake without even I don't even realize in it. Like I remember, and here's why I remember so well. I remember when I was in the fifth grade, I won the spelling bee contest. Get you some of that, right? It was one of my favorite childhood memories because I felt like my parents were proud of me. I felt like I was accepted by them. And as I look back over my life, most every time that I felt affirmed or encouraged or accepted, dare I say loved, and I'm not saying this is what they were communicating, I'm just telling you this is my experience as I look back on it. Every time, it was, it was, it was always connected with just being a good boy, just doing the right thing. And I don't know, maybe you can relate. And what I've had to just keep working on, and I, I still have to work on it, I have to keep reminding myself, I'm not accepted based upon anything I do. I'm accepted because a gracious God has adopted me as an heir to the kingdom of God. That is the beauty of the gospel. It's very exhausting. And again, some of you, this is where you are. You're like, oh my Lord, I, I, I so pick up what he's laying down right now. This is why your Christian experience has been so exhausting because you're trying to measure up. You're trying to be good enough. You're trying to do activity after activity after activity instead of resting in the fact that God is love and he 
chose you. He loves you. You are an heir to the most high God, Aaron. He's called you. He saved you. So you can quit striving for acceptance and just rest in his inheritance. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, whoever strives in activity, whoever strives for acceptance, no, 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 whoever what? Believes in him shall not perish, but have what? Here it is, everlasting life. That's the inheritance of God, everlasting life. And the moment a person receives the glorious gospel, you get a new name. You know that, don't you? The moment you come to faith in Christ and you believe in the name of Jesus, you get a new name. Yes, you get a name in as Christian. But I'm talking about other things entirely. You get a new name. You're no longer unaccepted. You're an adopted child of the Most High God. You're no longer overlooked. You're an adopted child of the Most High God. You're no longer forgotten. You're a child of the Most High God. You're no longer a failure. You're a child of the Most High God. You're no longer a divorcee. You're a child of the Most High God. You're no longer not as good as your older brother or your sister. No, no, no. You are an adopted child of the Most High God. You're no longer a slave. You are a child of the Most High God. Praise His name. Pray with me. Father, thank you for the gospel, the purity and the beauty of the gospel. And Father, I know, I know because this is in the water we drink, especially in the Western world, God. We just kind of, we fall into this pull yourself up by your bootstraps, this, this Puritan work ethic. It has lots of good in it, God, but it's counter to the gospel. The gospel is all about what you do in our lives. And thank you, Father, that we can, we can approach your throne and not realize that we have to make a certain grade or, or win a spelling bee or act this way or do this or do that, but we can come, oh God, not striving to be accepted. but just confidently resting in the fact that you are a good God. You are a gracious God. You are a gracious Father who adopts your children into your family. And Father, I can only imagine that there are people here or online who they have just sensed your spirit moving today. God, we're talking a lot about the Holy Spirit these days, and, and they know that something has drawn them to you. Something has drawn them to this place or, or to check out this link today in your own line. 
And the truth is, you've never really just come to Christ just as you are. And maybe what you need to do more than anything today is you just need to let God adopt you. So if you're here and you desire salvation today, just just make a simple prayer like this. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you to be my Savior. I'm tired of striving. I'm tired of trying to get there by a kind of works righteousness. And I'm exhausted. I'm really tired. I'm tired from religion. So Holy Spirit, thank you for drawing me to this place today. Not this place in a building, but this place where I am in need of you. And I realize all I can do is just open up my my heart and my mind, my life. And ask you to do that which only you can do. So if you desire salvation today, just say, Lord Jesus, save me. Forgive me of my sin. Thank you for the inheritance that I can look forward to. An inheritance that starts here and now. Thank you that salvation is the beginning of the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. So come in today, I pray. Thank you for adopting me as a child of the Most High God. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And all of those who love God said together, amen and amen. Now here's what you need to know. If you just prayed that prayer, here's how our church feels about you. Welcome. Welcome.